Is the sun even shakalaka. risen on the West Coast, Jared? It was just coming up. Just coming up. <laughs> oh, we got we got sleepy boy time here. It's uh, the earliest record we've ever done. It's like 9.30 Eastern, 6.30 Pacific Standard Time. We'll get into the reason in a sec, but uh, just uh, with a, the bad wallpaper morning show edition is, is kicking off today. Got my coffee? Feeling good. <laughs> Let's get it. Hey, welcome to the show with Bad Wallpaper. We've got a plan to create an album in one year by writing some music every week. We'll take our favorites, expand them into full songs, and then record our album at the end of a year. You can follow along on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I lost my place. I am really... Morning edition is really messing yeah, up. Yeah, we're we're off to a good start here. So <laughs> you can follow. Oh, oh wait, there's more. <laughs> Please, if you're enjoying the show, subscribe and give us a review. Follow us on Twitter at bad underscore wallpaper and on Instagram at bad dot wallpaper dot band. All right, I know what's wrong. <laughs> so your your feng shui is all off. Your your room, yeah. your your backdrop is is completely different. That's true. I did. I did just rearrange my guest room because my parents were coming to town, and I had like a crappy little desk and just clutter everywhere. So I bought this big L-shaped guy. Was able to rearrange my whole thing, and from a recording perspective, it's way better. But you're absolutely right. I I'm shifting my angles. I'm misaligning my energy. I don't know what's going on over here. And I have to look at a, a Beatles poster, which just reminds us how you know inconsequential we are <laughs> <laughs> it's a be- it's the beatles i got that tin in london which was like the most unnecessary souvenir of all time it was like ooh, i'll get a little tin abbey road thing i was 16 i didn't know that you could just buy those wherever it's just mass market thing but i bought it at a little flea market in london so whatever i can say that now i guess it, get, it definitely earns you some bonus points there it's it's some authenticity. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure, yeah, you've had that since college. I remember that hanging out. Yeah, I think I got it when I was like 16. I definitely thought it was just some uh, basic basic white boy dorm room like decor though. <laughs> so It doesn't change the fact that it is basic <laughs> white boy dorm decor. It's just that I got it when I was 16 in London. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. So we're doing the morning show. Jared, why are we up so early? Oh, yeah. This beautiful Labor Day morning. Well, it's because I'm smoking some meats, Jake. Got your sweet baby rays smoking? I actually do have sweet baby rays barbecue <laughs> sauce ready to go. Look, I assume that's the only barbecue sauce available in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> it is It is slim pickings. Yeah, <laughs> slim pickings. Uh, we do have good meat rubs, though. Ooh. We have a, a local chef who distributes a, a nice spice mix called Rub with Love. I mean, you know that's just like salt and pepper and garlic powder and some like paprika, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, it says it's like ancho chili powder and oh, okay. fancy, fancy schmancy stuff. But yeah, some of the probably. real good powders. <laughs> Gotta love me some powders. Yeah. Sourced directly from South America. We also have the Pike's Place Market, Market Spice, which Ooh. is an institution since, I assume, 
a long time ago. <laughs> it's probably probably opened in like 1999. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Well, Starbucks seems to be doing really well here. Let's move in. <laughs> but I'm very happy for your uh, meat smoking endeavors. Yeah, well, thanks. I am. I was so I. <laughs> I was really nervous about it, and I couldn't actually sleep very well last night. <laughs> I kept. Like, you were so excited for Meatsgiving, and <laughs> yeah, I kept having like meat nightmares of like, oh no, I messed up the meat. <laughs> I'm always having meat nightmares. <laughs> The brisket, it's alive and it's trying to kill me. <laughs> so are you smoking this just for like you and Al or are you having some friends over later? Is there uh, a plan hope, here? Hoping some friends drop by. We'll see. We'll see how real my friends are, you know. They show up. <laughs> I actually bought a ticket. After this, I'm uh, hopping on the plane. Hopefully I'll beat the, the smoking timer. But uh, you owe me some brisket, buddy. It, there you go. I mean, other... Other option, I'll just uh, pack in some foil and uh, put it in the USPS. Just like my sock <laughs> yeah. that I left at your house about yeah. six months ago. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed uh, opening that package. Yeah, it, it had a hole in it, and <laughs> it's just sat in like the corner of my bedroom since you sent that. But uh, if, if the brisket stays cool, you know, if you put it in some dry ice, I'll eat that. No problemo. The other thing, I think you left a shirt too that I just kept. I was like, this, I'm, this I'm sure shirt. it's a little big for you. <laughs> uh, maybe. I don't know. What shirt is it? I, uh, <laughs> it might not be yours. I have this weird problem where like mysterious shirts just keep showing up. <laughs> That's true. We've talked about your Wilco we shirt. Have, yeah. What's this shirt? It's like a. It's kind of like a light purple, uh, sort of a V-neck. That's sound, not my shirt, familiar? dude. No. Where are you getting these shirts? Oh, no. You've got a shirt demon. Another mystery shirt. <laughs> You're being haunted. I think the, the sad part is that, like, I'm not letting it go to waste. Like, it's, it's been incorporated into the wardrobe. It's just made its way in. You're not buying shirts anymore. You're just picking them up off the ground. and Yeah. Yeah. Throwing them on. Well, this has been Shirt Talk. Tune again next week. <laughs> I'm sure by next week you're going to have found another shirt. I like how we've like flipped this. In 30 episodes, we went from uh, being way too drunk to <laughs> make coherent sentences to now we're waking up super early and needing caffeine very badly. <laughs> yeah, you're rubbing the little sleeps out of your eyes. Yep. yep. I mean, to be fair, I think this gives us a more coherent episode. Uh, but yeah, maybe not the same energy as the the sloppy version. Oh, there were so many good sloppy moments. <laughs> sloppy we need, moments. We need, to do, we need to do a best of bad wallpaper. The sloppy. T- <laughs> what we'll do is when you come visit, uh, we'll do a sloppy version live. You know, in the same room. The the sloppy Joes. The sloppy Joes. Of sloppy all the J's. of all the J names in in the band, we don't have a Joe. No, not a single Joe, no Josephs, no Jedediahs. If anyone wants to do auxiliary percussion and your name is Joe, we have maybe, an opening. Maybe keys. Keys, that works too. Pedal, pedal tweaker. Pedal tweaker. All open positions in bad wallpaper. You will not be paid. Just wanted to get that out there. No, we will pay you in podcast fame and glory. Speaking of podcast fame and glory, the... Uh, only murders in the building finale was was pretty good i gotta say season two yeah i watched season one after jack was like i love this show and i was like this show is fine 
Yeah. It's a good, it's a good, well, it's been a good show for L and I. If you know oh, I mean. yeah. You know, it kind of strikes for the that whole balance. family. Yeah. 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 And uh, the, the, the most relatable part for me, other than the murdering, obviously. Is right, the, right. Uh, other than the murders in the building. The podcast Inside Baseball, which I think is, they, they get pretty, pretty well on the nose. What are some of the bits? What are the podcasting bits? Well, first of all, you know, this season, the villain is a rival podcaster. So oh, obviously no. we, we understand that. Right. I mean, you get the, you get the podcast uh, voice, you know, it just clicks on mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're talking. All right. I'll have to check it out. I, I was just kind of like, eh, I need to watch it at some point, but I've been watching, uh, a few pretty good shows on my own. I've been watching Iron Chef. They got a new Netflix series of that. That was like my favorite show growing up. Uh, new Iron Chef rocks. And I also been watching 101 Places to Party Before You Die. Have you heard of this? Have you I seen really, this? Have really you heard of this? I thought you were going 101 Dalmatians. And I was like, I've been watching the 101 cool. Dalmatians cartoon. There's a lot of dogs. I like that. <laughs> no, I have not heard of this party show. Yeah, it's. It's a like travel, you know, eating food show kind of thing with a couple comedians, Adam Pally and John Gabris. John Gabris, a big podcast guy, so you know we got to respect him for that. Uh, and they just they just travel around getting drunk. It's really funny. It's good. It's one of the better travel shows that, to come out in a long time. So highly recommend that. It sounds like my kind of partying. There you go. I mean, I, I think the the bad wallpaper uh, travel show is going to be great, <laughs> right? When we when we tour and we, we right. have like tour log, calling in from the road. It's gonna it's gonna be right back to those early episodes where we're too too drunk to <laughs> to make coherent sentences. It's what got to give the people what they want. Uh, what else is new? What else is new, Jake? I don't know. I I watched some movies. We've been watching the classic movies around here because everyone's like hey have you seen this movie and then go no and they go what you've never seen that movie so we're trying to get ahead of that a little bit uh watch footloose bad bad movie not a good movie uh ridiculous we watched west side story 1961 version bad movie not a very good movie <laughs> ridiculous movies i didn't like them you're you're definitely gonna be picking fights with with l on yeah, I was about West to say. Story, I think uh, opinion there. <laughs> if anyone's gonna be mad at me, it's hell. <laughs> I mean, do you like either one of those movies? Uh, I I like. Well, I like the music in both. Um, it's bad. You don't want to cut foot loose, Jake. I don't want to cut foot loose. It's, it's That's all fine. It's one of but my like, favorite wedding songs. You know, it's just like. Okay, I can I can white boy dance this one. Yeah, but it's a it's like a wedding song. It's not a good song. <laughs> Be like, dog, I love Don't Stop Believing. I I really I mean honestly I share the same opinion as you. I'm just trying to I'm trying really hard to make defenses for these classic movies that millions <laughs> of people love. Jake, we don't have an audience. We can't alienate <laughs> even more. No, we got to stir it up. We got to stir the pot. I want to make somebody mad that I don't like Footloose. Yeah. The part, I'm, though, where he does all the flips and stuff, I was like, oh, Hot Rod really did nail that. Yes. That definitely was the, the parodies that have come from both of them. I mean, 
you have to <laughs> you have to acknowledge that if they can be parodied, then you know they had cultural relevance. I oh, mean, absolutely. And I and you weren't saying that they don't. You were just saying your opinion of them is they suck. And I probably <laughs> they're not agree very good. <laughs> if we're being honest, I still yeah I have not seen the twenty twenty one. Or was it 2022 West Side Story version? Yeah, whichever one of those. Now I'm not necessarily like chomping at the bit to just watch the same movie I just watched, but uh, Spielberg version. I don't know. Yeah, I've heard. Maybe less white people uh, speaking with fake uh, Puerto Rican (laughs) accents. That's probably a a bonus. It's true. (laughs) Which is funny because the biggest complaint I've heard of that movie is that they speak too much Spanish. They're speaking too much dang Spanish. (laughs) What, I don't even get no subtitles? Exactly. They say, like, como estas? And you're like, what does that even mean? (laughs) I can't follow this movie at all. (laughs) Calm down, people. I, I uh, I like this. Texas Jake. No, this is Rolla Jake. Rolla, okay. <laughs> well, you don't want to hear Texas Jake then. <laughs> Rolla Jake. All right, Rolla Jake's going to have to make regular appearances. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the mu- the music section of the podcast. I think we got enough nonsense in there. Yeah, well, there's been a lot of music nonsense since we've last uh, convened. So Yeah, it's been a few weeks since we chatted and a lot of stuff has happened. Uh, should we start with like the big, really sad stuff, and then maybe uh, I think we should move on. Yeah, yeah. So the Win Butler from Arcade Fire, uh, Pitchfork did a pretty big expose interviewing some people who let, let's just say so we don't get uh, sued by Arcade Fire have some allegations that <laughs> seem pretty consistent with each other and also backed by a lot of uh, you know witnesses and and uh messages and things like that but did you read all the the whole article about this it was really tough i read about i read through like the first account and then i was like okay well that's enough to inform my opinion because <laughs> it was it was hard to read it was. it was yeah the nasty thing is that it's like oh yeah the all the accounts are very similar of exactly. like very aggressive yeah. very manipulative and then I think the nastiest part is just how much his accounts differ. And like he hired like this PR firm and they're like, oh, well, uh, actually, this was all completely different from what this person said. It's like, Ugh. well, either you're telling the truth or you are lying through your teeth in a very nasty way. Really just, yeah, crazy. So Win Butler who has the allegations against him. He's the the front man, the main leading like creative force. What was wasn't there a news story did did he not quit the band? Was it his brother Will? His brother quit the band mm. like before we came out. That was it. So, I wonder if he, you know, is getting ahead of something there. Yeah, that's a that's a good question of like what caused that rift. I I mean the icky feeling I have about Arcade Fire now kind of reminds me of uh, the brand new allegations when those came out. Slightly different circumstances, but the kind of predatory behavior to fans left the kind of same sour taste in my mouth, I'll say. And the way that Arcade Fire kind of postures themselves, I don't think I can listen to Arcade Fire anymore, man. I think I, think I had my, my run with them. 
was a good run. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I'm pretty much done. I was pretty much checked out already. That's almost exactly where I'm at. Like I was kind of a late comer to their music anyway, and like definitely went through my discovery phase of them and like yeah. couldn't get enough. And then I mean, my opinion always was first funeral was amazing. Yeah. Neon Bible, I didn't like it all at first, and then it kind of grew on me, but never reached the same heights. And then mm. everything else, not a fan, really. Um, and it always felt like forced. Every new Arcade Fire album, it was like, you know, the hype was always seemed like not real. I never got into the songs nearly as much as like what it seemed like, you know, radio play and stuff. Like, it's like everyone just wanted them to be the indie darlings. Or maybe just they had really good PR <laughs> firms. And I mean, Funeral was a smash hit. Yeah. It, but uh, yeah, I was around. I remember when The Suburbs came out, I, I bought it on CD when it came out. And I was like, yeah, there's some good tracks on here, but this isn't like my favorite album of the year. And then I like won a Grammy and stuff. And I was like, yeah, it's a good album, but I wouldn't, I don't know. It, not to say like, oh, if it was better, I would maybe uh, feel differently about these allegations. I mean, oh, definitely. No, this is just a bring in yeah. some music discussion to your music <laughs> But I mean, the brand new thing was, was a little different for me because brand new was my favorite band. Yeah. And then when all that came out, it was like, oh, I can't do this. I, I have them all on vinyl, so I at least feel better. Like I, they already got their money. Uh, if I listen to it, I don't feel like I'm giving them money, but it still just feels like, oh, I can't listen to the lyrics even. This is a little bit of a difference where the lyrics in brand new songs are like, I'm a predatory bad person, <laughs> like in Deja Antandu. There's a lot of lyrics about that. Arcade Fire, it's like, oh, we're the we're the moral arbiters of the the world. Yeah, I think that's a huge mark on the arcade fire stuff is that they postured themselves so liberal and uh progressive well you know what else we could barely read <laughs> ai generated rap lyrics <laughs> so the ai rapper let me let me check the name of this guy fn mecca so i guess some guy made an ai which i think we can actually speak to this on a technical level pretty well uh, i think we kind of understand how AI works fairly well. Uh, you more than me. You know, you feed it a bunch of stuff and it gives you an output and you you can give it parameters. You know, you could tell it what it can and can't do and, and how it should process these things. And I guess some, I think the guy who was making this algorithm was a white guy. <laughs> he, he didn't yeah. think, hmm, maybe I shouldn't let the AI rapper say the N-word. <laughs> maybe I should... Put a parameter in there to say, maybe to filter out this word specifically. Uh, he didn't do that. <laughs> but yeah, Capitol Records apparently had the AI rapper signed. No longer is that a thing. Yeah, and the funny thing is, they were, you know, this this was out for like years. I think 2019 was like the track that I, I found. From the technical standpoint, I mean, it's going to reflect the data that you put into it. And he clearly yeah. like trained it on. What you know pro is good rap music, but it's kind of like you, once you. But what makes good rap music is like the heart and soul and the lived <laughs> experience. 
And so yeah. then whenever you <laughs> completely abstract it from that, it becomes so ridiculous and shallow and uh, and fraudulent. And that's yeah. just <laughs> so when you have, yeah, these made up lyrics talking about like police violence perpetrated against, you know, this fictional person, it doesn't really track. <laughs> so... No, absolutely. And it's it's just another one of those examples of like AI has a place, machine learning has a place and, and can do a lot of powerful things. But like you start applying it to art in this way and it's like, especially in this specific case, it's like, yeah, you're really abstracting the human experience from it and it makes it weird. And But from a business perspective, man, I'm sure Capitol Records was like, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> We don't have to we don't have to actually pay some guy. Yeah. <laughs> so really, I mean, the fact this is, you know, just one example. This is gonna happen over and over again. <laughs> At some point it's I wonder what percentage of music will will be real, you know? Yeah. And and I feel like already on like Spotify playlists, there's, you know, AI generated ambient music and Yeah. Yeah. AI generated elevator jazz and stuff yeah. like that. Like Spotify loves putting that on there because they don't have to actually pay royalty for it. You know, if it's, oh yeah, people just want minimalist piano music while they're studying. Let's just sprinkle in like 25% of our own tracks that we just generated. And then that's 25% savings on our royalties. Like we don't have to. <laughs> it's pretty emblematic of the way the music industry has gone in general. Uh, I mean, not that that's like a clever thing to say, but uh, yeah, cutting corners and uh, short shifting artists and, you know, not supporting local music and local scenes and, and independent artists and stuff like that. That's nothing new, but they're just finding new and, and cool ways to do it. New and cool. All right. We're definitely going to have an AI generated track on our album. <laughs> I'm gonna You're making that, the algorithm. Gonna I don't know. that right up. <laughs> I don't know how to do this. All right, Jared, what have you been listening to lately? Great question. It's kind of been a weird music week. Mm. So I went to a really cool show, and we'll probably talk more about that in the Riffspiration, but uh, I got to see Phoebe Bridgers. She Sweet. put on a fantastic show. I definitely... You know how sometimes you go to a, a a band's live show can inform your opinion of their recorded music. And Certainly. I'll just say, yeah, the Phoebe Bridger show definitely accented and improved, you know, made me like her music even more. Uh, which, yeah, especially in her kind of genre, it's kind of hard to do. For sure. It's not a ton of energy, you know, so the, that aspect of the live show. But she, she... Yeah, I'll talk more about it in a minute. Okay, we'll get we'll into just, it later. We'll just put a little teaser there. Um, so I was in that mode, and and that put me into a lot of MJ Linderman. So not super interesting to talk about that because we've talked about it a lot. Uh, man, he's going to be my favorite album this year, I think, though, for sure. Well, don't How, tell me that. We got to guess that. <laughs> we got to do mean, that whole thing I'm giving later. You, giving you the, uh, okay, it's a, it's a strong hint. You're giving me a hint for sure. Yeah. I can't believe that's coming up. Gosh. Yeah, we're not that far off. 2022 is just... 
anyways, breaking out of that track of, of music I've been in, um, I did actually finally catch up to more of the Prince Daddy and the Hyenas, which we've talked about earlier on the show. It's a single hyena, by the way. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> just uh, wanted to make sure you knew that. It's only one hyena. So you're saying the band name Prince Daddy and the Hyenas is, is available. <laughs> that it is available, I think. <laughs> I didn't, their, their album that came out this year didn't really connect with me whenever I first listened to it. Mm. Uh, but I actually got into more of their back catalog and it's a little more like straight punk. Their their newest album is is pretty extreme. Yeah, it, it, they they explore some nooks and crannies. They also have some more refined stuff in the new album. But yeah, their old stuff is very good, like emo music with a, a lot of energy and a lot of guitar riffs and stuff yeah. like that. So basic bitch Jared over here uh, really connected <laughs> well with that uh, <laughs> early uh, more streamlined sound. Uh, I thought you didn't even like leaving uh, their album really uh, stood out to me, gave it several listens and had a really good time with it. Um, Great album. I also checked out the Domi and JD Beck album. Have you heard of the artists? I have not. Uh, those arti- artists. Yeah, is it is it arti? Is it multiple? Art. <laughs> I was trying to make it like octopi, art arctopi, artistopi. Uh, yes, it's a duo, uh, jazz duo, keys and drums. Ooh. Um, I've been aware of them for quite a while. They were kind of just like. YouTube algorithm champs, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you go down the snarky puppy, mm. uh, Corey Henry kind of jazz fusion rabbit hole in YouTube, and and you're it's inevitable that you will run into some Domi and JD Beck videos. Okay. Mostly because they're incredibly skilled. And it's crazy because I feel like I've been seeing their videos for like years now. But they're super young. I think they're both under 20 wow. on this de- debut album. So, uh, yeah, pretty impressive chops. And they got signed by a little upstart record label founded by Anderson Pock. Oh. So he pulled together some Thundercat, some... Mac DeMarco features some Anderson Pock features on this album. Wow. And uh, yeah, a little was, upstart label by Anderson yeah. Pock that's just pulling in Thundercat. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so those features are definitely the highlight of this album, I'll say. Okay. It's, it, it is, it's kind of in that like 100 Gex, you know, like hyper pop. Like it's like, oh, okay. Going, 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 going. But, you know, jazzy. It was it was pretty good. I give it a solid like. I'm excited to see what how how it develops and grows. And the features are really unique and cool. Um, also kind of got like the opening track it evoked like a Willy Wonka Charlie <laughs> and the Chocolate Factory like aesthetic that okay I was really excited for. It didn't really develop or the rest of the album, but yeah, I don't know. There, there's some little nuggets of of. Uh, 
really fun stuff in there. So worth checking out. That's the album Not Tight by Domi and JD Beck. That's awesome. Yeah. I honestly I've I'm really bad at like following artists that are up and coming and being on like certain platforms and and sometimes those are kind of a bust because it's like, oh, they're all aesthetic and no skill. But it sounds like they are both aesthetic and skill. And it's like, okay, that's uh that's a recipe for success. And yeah, you're more into the uh snarky puppy, bad, bad, not good, kind of modern jazzy kind of stuff, but I always enjoy it as well. So I'll definitely check out this album. Yeah, I, I do get into moods. <laughs> and you're just sitting there with your bass like... I wish. Yeah, if I actually channeled that into trying to learn some of that stuff. <laughs> no, my bass get good at is bass. four on the floor, <laughs> no pocket. <laughs> I, I love when bassists make fun of guitarists that play bass because it's a 1000% accurate for me because it's like just play like a pentatonic scale little run mm-hmm. and it's just like oh wow really impressive dude <laughs> yeah no feel <laughs> <laughs> no feel no vibes well I was also in kind of a weird <laughs> music week I forgot why I even started listening to a bunch of Britpop but I started listening to a bunch of Britpop Blur is a band that I didn't pick up on until fairly recently, like a few years ago. Cause I was a big, big gorillas fan growing up. Like in high school, plastic beach came out. That was incredible. I demon days was one of my favorite albums. The original gorillas album was one of my favorite albums. So definitely one of my favorite artists growing up, very influential for me. And then I had to, you know, eventually branch out and be like, okay, I need to really figure out blur. I had like a best of blur, you know, <laughs> CD on my iPod that I was listening to. And I was like, okay, I like these tracks, but uh, kind of post the Oasis boom, you know, like 95, I think was when blur and Oasis were kind of uh, at the top of Britpop stardom. After that, I think blur goes really experimental and their self-titled album, you know, that's the one with song two on it, uh, probably their biggest album. And 13, uh, which is the one with like coffee and TV on it and uh, Tender, the opener is one of my favorite Blur songs. One of my favorite Damon Albarn songs of all time. I just got into another kick of, of Blur and I forgot how much I really love those two albums specifically. There's a lot of deep cuts on those albums. It's been a while since I've really spent time on them, but yeah. the, the creative like rabbit holes that they go down, and it, it's more than just their uh, you know the lead tracks off of it. So, sometimes I feel it's like too much, you know, needed editing down to be tighter as mm. single. Album. Yeah, because it'll be like hour ten minute albums. Yeah, but uh, on the other hand, sometimes it's just fun to just bask in the. Uh, in the creative energy there. I am a big fan of the guitarist, Blur guitarist Graham Coxon too. Yeah. I think he has a great, I mean, the, it, just that like jangly guitar tone, that he, classic British sound. Yeah, um, and on, on those two albums, specifically self, the self-titled and 13, they do so much experimental guitar stuff that I really wasn't anticipating when I first got into Blur. Because again, I'd heard the hits and... You know, they're they're pretty poppy, Brit poppy, 90s. And then you hear the deep cuts and there's just noise rock elements and like prog elements. It's 
insane stuff for like one of the most popular bands in Britain in the 90s. Make guitar experimentalism great again. Wow. It's not great right now. We're not, we're not experimenting anymore. Folks, <laughs> folks, we're not experimenting anymore. Nobody's using Ooh. pedals. Ooh, that's really, I, I can, I mean, I give you a, a, a B. A B? Okay, I'll minus take Minus on your, uh, like, I can hear it. It's, uh, it's just, I mean. Folks, you got to turn up the big muff. <laughs> that sounded, that, that, that's mixing in a little too much Pennywise. <laughs> I'll keep working on it. I'll keep shopping it. <laughs> <laughs> not not it's not it's not quite up there to your uh, Bob Dylan yet. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I just stole that from like Chapo Trap House. Like they, that's just <laughs> their like that's just the Matt Chrisman uh Trump impression. So it's not not anything original. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> the other uh album I was checking out recently was the new album by Motroper, MTV. Uh have you heard of this or checked it out or anything? This is a, a blind spot for me. So. Yeah, so Motroper is a pretty small power pop act out of Portland, Oregon. I got to specify because I'm a I'm very close to Portland, Maine here. But uh, Motroper, solo artist, and uh, very much like classic power pop on on the older albums. You know, it sounds like Cheap Trick, like just straight up. It's power pop. It's great, really fun. MTV, they really lean into like lo-fi and like vocal warping and, you know, a lot of kind of intentional lo-fi stuff that I think really works for, you know, it's a little less power pop. I almost feel more of like a Beach Boys influence than a Cheap Trick or Big Star influence on this record. Uh, It's just a really tight 35-minute album with like 20 tracks on it because there's so many great ideas flowing out of uh, this album so i i think it's a really cool listen it's definitely got a different vibe from some of the older stuff from otroper and uh yeah i think i think like pitchfork was was covering it uh it's getting some buzz considering it's a pretty pretty small artist uh, out of portland so would, would highly recommend checking out the Mo- motroper album making it happen Making it happen. I saw you on your phone. You're probably bookmarking that thing. I straight up. Yeah, got that, got that. Read you like uh, a book. <laughs> my my flow is usually it's a star heart an album. Yeah. And then uh, I order my albums view on Spotify like chronologically. So it's essentially I queue it up, you know? It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's there for me. There you go. Let me know what you think. Yeah. Looking forward to checking that out. Yeah, I think I go first this week. Cool. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. This is going to be a fun week. Mm-hmm. Two very different inspirations. Yes, like. absolutely. All right. So this week, my respiration uh, is a band that I fell in love with last year. And their album, Between the Richness, is one of my favorite albums of 2021. Uh, the band is Fiddlehead. I know we've talked about Fiddlehead a lot uh, because I, I know I'm obsessed with this band. I think you are, are quite partial to this band as well. Uh, but for anyone who does not know Fiddlehead, uh, they're technically a super group within the like hardcore genre. Uh, consists of a few members of Have Heart, including the lead uh, vocalist Pat Flynn. Uh, and they brought on Alex Henry of Basement 
do you have much experience with either of those bands, Jaron? Uh, have heart, yes. Um, they've you know kind of hardcore, like almost like two thousands hardcore revival. Yeah, yeah. Never like I never paid a ton of attention to them. You don't know, you know, like yeah, yeah. They were, it was kind of genre music to me, like <laughs> genre music to me. <laughs> I only listened to indie. <laughs> Exactly. Back in 2011 or whatever. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I, I only really discovered Have Heart recently, like in the last like three, four years, uh, as I started getting more into hardcore punk. And uh, now that I live in Boston, obviously, uh, Have Heart is, was huge in Boston. And Fiddlehead is based out of Boston now. But I, I also had a basement phase uh, back in the day kind of around like my early college years, late high school years, I was, I was really into the band Basement and just combining those two sounds to make a post-hardcore mega band, uh, I think they, they really pull it off. And what, what really inspired me by this band is both the melodic aggression, I'll say. You know, it's, it's a melodic band with a lot of really great cl- crisp elements, but also... A lot of energy and kind of screaming vocals, but it's hooky still. You know, the, the band is just incredible to be able to, you know, capture all those those feelings at the same time. And also the guitar tone, I think, on the, the whole album Between the Richness is crunchy and bright and driving. And I was like, I'm going to try and capture that. I, I specifically sought out to capture that while I was recording. And I mean, we'll, we'll get into it later, but, uh, when we actually listen to the track, but, uh, a million times off the album between the richness was my riff inspiration this week. Yeah. I remember you talking about it the, uh, in the last year and you, you introduced me to the, to the band. Um, and like, I remember giving it a listen back then and I was like, okay, this is all right. And then you also put it on your uh, playlist, uh, a quick plug for the Collab Tracks playlist. Shout out Collab Tracks. Yeah, look it up. Spotify Collab Tracks. Monthly playlist with art and poetry. And uh, I was listening through your January edition of Collab Tracks, Volume 1. And Fiddlehead came up on that and... The way it like stood out in that mix of songs was like really caught my attention and kind of plugged me back into them and giving it a fresh listen like a year later now, like this is really fun. Um, so funny that it was also on your mind lately <laughs> that, <laughs> that I had just bubbled back up to, to my mind too. Wow. So, something's in the air. Something's in the air. It's, it's fall time. It's getting crisp. Yeah. It's funny. Seasonal music. It it is interesting, like how you go through, and yeah, fall does seem to kind of fit this uh, that that album, even though the album cover is like this lush green. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but it's New England, baby. Yeah, there you go. So what I really like about Fiddlehead and what I tried to channel, uh, specifically from this song, is the elements of it cohere in in such an incredible way with the uh the the catchy vocals that are that have a little grit to them 
you've got the lead line that's adding some intricacy to the guitar, and then you've got this big crunchy rhythm section that's just driving the whole thing along. And so all those elements come together to make like what I would say is basically like a a pop song. You know, that's a great poppy, catchy song that's rooted in a lot of these like post hardcore kind of elements that uh that we know and love. Yeah, I get what you're saying. The the major key and the kind of is connected to that pop structure. Yeah. Um, but it's also, yeah, the, I mean, the way the bass, the bass kind of stood out to me is kind of having this kind of like, you know, nice little groovy kind of like riffing going on mm. that played really well with the lead guitar, which is always interesting, you know, whenever like there's a connection there. Yeah. They were kind of walking around. Um, and then, you know, some things like where everything cuts out except the, you know, rhythm guitar and drums. Like for a moment, like that's like a really fun, like yeah, gets you gets you pumped. head banging, yeah, and uh, and then yeah, the vocal melody is really uh, like it's got that grit, but it's actually just nice too. Like yeah, it's it's very pleasant. So really fun song, really fun. What a what a catchy tune. So a little little backstory on my song. Uh, actually, backstory on the lyrics mostly. Because uh, I, I came, I was, I've been trying to push the lyrics a little more. Because like, what's trying to get that uh, melody line on top of a riff is is hard, but it also I think helps solidify a riff into a song a bit more. So I mean, I think we've both been like doing well at that. Uh, is trying to push it a little bit, but. The inspiration for this came from uh, my trip to Salem last year. We went to like a, a witch museum and stuff. And there's this story of a guy named Giles Corey. And I will preface this by saying uh, probably not a good person. Uh, I'm not saying like this was a good guy. Uh, he like beat one of his indentured servants to death and like <laughs> uh didn't go to jail for it. He was just fined. Uh, not great. But during the Salem witch trials, his wife was accused. And he kind of was like, whoa, what's going on? Yeah, she's, is she a witch? That's crazy. And then all of a sudden, he got accused. <laughs> and, you know, the Salem witch trials were interesting because it was in the late 1600s. So there were, it was a completely different culture. But a lot of the driving factors behind it are, are very uh, familiar. You know, there's a lot of economic driving factors, uh, a lot of like social driving factors with like, you know, uh, African uh, slaves were kind of accused of turning people into witches or bewitching people. And th there was a lot of interesting context to the Salem witch trials, but this guy was like a big landowner. A, they accused him of being a witch because if you get, you know, actually tried and convicted you get all your property taken and the the that it's sold off by the the sheriff who was obviously very uh very high on power and very much you know uh had economic incentive to try people for witchcraft so all that coalesced to this guy and they did something to him that has only been done once in american history at least like by the law, which is pressing. 
uh, I don't know if you know anything about pressing, but this dude literally, they like put a board over him and then started putting rocks on top of him. Basically, it's a torture mechanism to get him to admit to being a witch. So it's like, oh, uh, you got to be guilty. You know, you got to plead guilty and we'll stop and we'll just, we'll, we'll just hang you, you know, easy, easy out. But he knew then that all his property would be seized and his kids wouldn't get it. Uh, <laughs> so every time they added more, they would ask him like, plead guilty. And he said, more weight. And they added more stones. And that happened several times. He didn't cry out in pain is the story. He just said, more weight, more weight, more weight, uh, which I thought was like uh, salty and uh, not necessarily uh, bright and happy, but also kind of a kind of like a war cry of like, no, <laughs> I will not just admit to guilt to get out of this. Uh, so, yeah, kind of a kind of a fun story. Chipper little story there. If if I recall my junior year of high school English class. <laughs> sure. I, I I believe that Giles Corey is featured in Arthur Miller's The Crucible. Ooh, that that's potentially true. Uh, but I was familiar with with his story. Yeah. Okay. It was dra- dramatized in The Crucible. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah the 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 truth like the back. I mean, The Crucible is great for you know really focusing on the mob mentality. But I think those like socioeconomic and you know corrupt intentions don't really get enough like talked about either. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, just a, I mean, crazy shit was going down. It was bad. <laughs> it was not yeah. good. I. Uh, <laughs> it's a terrible joke, but uh, I, I heard they it. were like, what? It. What were Giles Corey's? Last, last words and and so you know the story goes he said more weight but what if he was actually like no wait <laughs> wait no it's too much <laughs> I like that joke did you come up with that yeah. uh well no <laughs> some somewhere in junior junior class <laughs> oh, okay some hey you, you can claim that one if it was just some bit that somebody told in English class I, I respect that <laughs> Sweet. Well, that's so, that's the story behind the lyrics here. Uh, I think the lyrics should probably use some work and all that, but uh, I'm pretty happy with how this turned out. Pretty happy. So is is your is your track called More Weight? It's called More Weight.
Hell yeah. <laughs> that is a jam. Uh, where, where do you even start? First of all, chorus. I like the the little chorus pedal action. Yeah, I was like, are you talking about the chorus part? or the chorus pedal? Because yeah. I was definitely <laughs> using pedal. the chorus pedal. Yeah, um, which kind of reminded me of Drug Church a little bit. Yeah. Like they're, they're, they're jazz chorus-y kind of sound. Yeah. Um, which is, I love that sound now in like heavier music, uh, like how Judge, Drug Church uses it. For I think sure. he used it really well. Definitely an uh, inspiration as well. Yeah, loved like the guitar tone, everything the guitar was doing. Um, there was, I the, the whole song kind of felt like, I don't know what like the parts were, so I don't know how to talk about like the verse part or the chorus part. Yeah, it's but, just like a verse and a chorus, basically. So whatever. But the uh, um, there was kind of like this ascending guitar line that like like just worked super well. <laughs> like I really liked it. Um, like I don't know if they were bends or yeah, slides, it was it but, was like a know. a bend on the string lower than the root note I was playing on the next one to bend yeah. up to that note. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's a classic really move. That. That's a classic. That's a classic. Move. Classic guitar move right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I really like the vocal melody too. Like, I think exactly like you were saying. Like it, I I think you've written tracks like that a couple times. Some of the ones like the Japan Droids respiration mm-hmm. and the and the uh, diarrhea planet respiration, <laughs> yeah, where yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I just love the the track, but without the vocal part. You know, it's hard to really know like how is this gonna like come alive. But mm-hmm. this one like is clear, like it's very uh tangible. It's like a working song. Um I like the like drum parts, like the energy and happily would, you know, add some bass under there. Yeah. And it's kinda it, it especially if like like I was saying with the fiddlehead track, if the bass part kind of had a little play, you know, to yeah. keep things going. That would be really fun. Um, yeah. And there's a lot, there's still like a lot of things, you know, fun things you could do like to produce it. Yeah. Like a dropout part or. Yeah. Build um, part. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Really excited to like keep working on that one. Cause that one's, I, I mean, clear away a favorite going for me right now so <laughs> yeah no i i at first was like i felt felt like i was making corny choices uh along the way uh but it, it coalesced in a way that i was like okay this doesn't this feels like fairly original but also like uh fairly together as like a unit i i don't know it, it I listened to it a lot to be like, okay, what do I need to do to this? What do I need to tweak? I added some like distortion to the vocals, but just enough to kind of like grit it up a little bit. You know, it. I tweaked it a ton and I, I feel like it could still keep tweaking it and keep building. And and that's, I think, a good sign uh, Definitely. for one of yeah. our tracks. Absolutely. Yeah. I really like it. More weight. More weight. No weight. No, wait. <laughs> I, I do like that. That's a good joke. God, I can't. I can't. I mean, it's so visceral. Like imagining what that would be like to yeah, literally being crushed to death. Yeah, over the course of like three days, they did it to him too. Yeah, insane. Real bad. Real bad stuff they were doing up there. Well, all right. I'm going to Salem On, tomorrow. 
getting back into the spirit of things. Spooky season, baby. Spooky season. Um, what, uh, what are you like? That's cool that it's more than just like a tourist trap where you like see it all one time. Like it, there's more to, to want to see. Oh yeah, definitely. Like the history stuff's fun. And we did like a little ghost tour, you know, and it's like, Ooh, this is where somebody died. You know, <laughs> it's fun. But, uh, they've got a lot of good restaurants, a lot of good, uh, there's a really good brewery up there that we love to go to. And it's just like a really pretty old town, you know? Yeah. Like the, that's yeah. the thing about Massachusetts is basically every little town is like 400 years old <laughs> instead of the normal 250 years old. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> the, crazy. The normal. Yeah. Yeah. The yeah, normal. Up here we're lucky. Yeah. We're, you're lucky if you get a hundred years up here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Now for something completely yeah, different. <laughs> pretty, pretty big uh, turn here. Um, so yeah, like I said, saw Phoebe Bridgers in concert. Uh, her live show, super fun. She had this really cool visual motif. She had like a LED screen um, behind the band. And uh, every song had this like animation of like a storybook, pop-up book kind of that would open and like have some, you know, some relevance to the, to the song. And then like mm-hmm. it would close, you know, in between songs and sometimes like dissolve or like turn into a whole world, you know, that like, gave uh, a visual to her to her song and um that was really cool really elevated uh and, and kind of like i was saying like because her music is not super energetic uh gave you something else you know to like give energy to that live set mm. and uh, i thought that was really cool so really just a plug like go see fever bridgers live it's good that kind of that kind of reminds me of when i saw beach house mm. Like, cause they're the same mm-hmm. thing, you know, in that, like not an energetic show, but a very theatrical and beautiful music. You could do a lot with that. Like they had these like fans spinning like very slowly and they had lights going through them and they like put basically Christmas lights and uh, along like a, ba- a black backdrop. And it just, it felt like you were in space. And I, I think that, uh, putting a motif to your show and, and building a story up around your show, that's. That's some next level stuff. So yeah, uh, I mean, a lot of her, her tracks were, were great, but uh, felt particularly inspired coming off from Smoke Signals. And her graphic for that one was really cool. It was like kind of this like miniature island that had like a little campfire, you know, that was mm. that was giving the smoke off. But then it it towards the end of the song grows into a uh like a like a huge fire like it burns the whole island down which is mm. uh like pretty cool but anyway is this your, is this your favorite phoebe bridgers song no i that that's a hard question to answer i i think i know mine i like the second half of this is the end a lot <laughs> Ooh, that i mean that is a, a great pick hard to yeah what's what what's yours, what's My, yours? <laughs> sorry i, I kind of teed it up and then was like uh, I will make you go first. Uh, mine is Scott Street. Okay, yeah. Specifically because of the line, I asked you how's playing drums, and you said it's too much shit to carry. That's such a, that's such an incredible line, and I was blown away the first time I heard that line. I think I like laughed out loud. Yeah. Anyways, I just wanted to talk about that line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's an incredible songwriter. Like her lyric, lyrical wit is 
top tier. I love the uh, baritone yeah. guitar, which is kind of, it's been a motif in a lot of Phoebe Bridgers stuff. Very Twin Peaks. Ooh, absolutely. Also, you know, it's almost, almost like just a riff on the Twin Peaks theme song. <laughs> like, Yeah, that little guitar line during the chorus. Um, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Makes me want to buy a baritone guitar. I did not buy one just for this week. <laughs> Unlike the slide. Unlike the slide guitar. But it's, uh, <laughs> would not be surprised if it's going to happen. I, my friend, I, I have a friend that always shows me and motivates me to spend too much money on guitars. And he showed me this new boutique brand that they only make a baritone right now. And it was this guy who worked in like the Fender custom shop. Oh wow. he, he split off on his own. And I was like, okay, that looks really cool. And then I looked it up how much it was. You want to guess how much <laughs> one of these guitars is? Oh my gosh. Three grand? More. Oh my gosh. Seven, seven grand. <laughs> what? Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah, we should buy that. Sounds yeah. good. I think I'll stick with the uh like five hundred dollar Dan Electro if I think <laughs> 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 Get like a squire, yeah. Yeah. All right. I don't know why, but uh, I named this one Routine Daydream. Sounds like uh, so, kind of like a good lyric. Oh, yeah, I know. I, that that's why it kind of stuck out to me. But uh, you ready? You all, kind of sounds like Moon Age Daydream.
I I really liked that. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> Just throw it in the throw it in the garbage. It's trash. trash. No, uh, again, I'll, I'll try to break this down piece by piece. Like, I, I think I like the walking chords and the rhythm line. I think that does give it kind of that. Uh, it has that three four waltz kind of quality to it. It's kind of gliding along uh, that's definitely it definitely is something i don't play with enough is time signatures and like going waltz i think does push a feeling and then i really thought the the swelling guitars was uh a good move by you i think that's a that's a solid go-to uh from our uh guitar days for sure and i think it fits perfectly over the top of it and leaves plenty of room for a vocal line like I was just thinking of like you could do a lot of different vocal lines over that, and I like the kind of slow build of it. It kind of ascends slowly as it goes. Uh, very pretty piece, and it, it kind of also you know it definitely get the Phoebe Bridgers kind of also gets some like Manchester Orchestra feeling to it, especially later Manchester Orchestra. Yeah, really pretty. That was a that was a good breakdown, good play by play. <laughs> we're we're gonna have to get yeah. like the whiteboard out and start drawing like X's and O's and stuff, like do the Madden thing. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I was surprised how that one came together because originally it was kind of a rush job because I was running out of time <laughs> to get my riff done, and I had been playing around with that kind of riff on on uh, my acoustic. And when I sat down to like do it, I was like, oh crap, it's in three four. <laughs> I don't know how to do three four like <laughs> with uh MIDI drums and stuff and struggled with that for a bit. Uh and uh yeah, I it really like clicked though whenever I added the that swelly guitar, which mm. was the like easy choice but sometimes it was I, right I mean choice. I think I've purposefully been like avoiding that because it was such a uh, a uh, cliche of what I used to always do with guitar yeah um, and there's a lot more headroom in that song too it's yeah. it, like even yeah. thinking about it right now you could just keep building and keep building and you could either like end it like before a big crescendo or you could just pop into a crescendo and just yeah. blast it out. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of choices to make with that and a lot of uh, room to grow with that. And I think similar to what you were saying about my track, it's like, I feel like that's always what stands out to me with tracks that we really stick to is, oh, you keep coming up with ideas and keep coming up with ideas. And then it, eventually you just got to pick one. But uh, that's a good sign <laughs> for the structure of the song. Well, there's too many ideas. You Definitely. can't do them all. Well, it's no foot loose, <laughs> but... Everybody cut, everybody cut. <laughs> what a land of contrast. Bad wallpaper presents bad riffs is. I am excited though how we'll have I think it's shaping up that we'll have contrasting moments like these on the album. Yeah. I think it could be really And cool. and I think when when we look at our influences and where we're kind of again, I think we're kind of coalescing to a sound, but I think you still have some more like post rock and country elements and I still have some more hardcore elements. And I do think we're both kind of still moving in that direction where we're, we're using all of those kind of influences and it, it is coming to a sound that I'm like, okay, this doesn't sound 
like a ripoff of anybody directly. And <laughs> we have enough influences that we have, like the, we're not just going all in one direction, like in a, in a specific genre direction. It's like, I think we're going to have elements of like hard rock. We're going to have elements of kind of uh, country rock. We're going to have elements of singer songwriter and post rock. It's a lot of fun, man. I'm having a lot of fun. I can, I can see the pitchfork review now. <laughs> Bad wallpaper needs to pick a lane. <laughs> Hey, if that's the review, but you know that, what? I would be okay with that. I, yeah. I would take that. I would be okay with that too. <laughs> hey, that's that's not terrible feedback. But we'll yeah. wait. We'll wait and see yeah. if we need to pick a lane first. Uh, we'll, 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 we still got a long ways to go before Pitchfork <laughs> is reviewing our album. <laughs> Honestly, even if Pitchfork took it like a just like dunked on us, I would be like, hey, I accomplished yeah. something in my life. I got dunked Absolutely. on in Pitchfork. Yeah. If you told me that when I was like 16, I might have like broke down crying, but uh, hey, still a level of success I probably uh, never would have imagined. We could just pivot to AI music after that. Sweet. I'm going to I'm going to make an AI fine. that only says slurs. <laughs> It'll be great. Well, that's our episode. It's <laughs> a good folks. note to end on. <laughs> Join us again. All right, it's decision time next week. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we, we kind of like screwed up the format this month by throwing in the cover week, but I think it gave us a little extra juice. Juice. It did. Absolutely. Yeah, cover week is great. Yep. So next week we'll have a we'll have another pick time. And oh my gosh, we got like 10 tracks each at this point. It's crazy. It is. 10 like picked tracks. Yeah. <laughs> like 30 tracks we've written each. I mean, that's that's really the Bonkers. incredible part is if that in and of itself is like I, I never would have written 30 songs otherwise that's for sure no way even like yeah. snippets I'm so happy with we, that we still got to decide how is this gonna be a double album what are we doing here <laughs> <laughs> just just the debut like hour 45 double album everyone's like what what the hell is this why why would I listen to a double album of stuff I don't know <laughs> maybe we'll go like a lot of like two minute tracks, you know. Oh, go the guided by voices <laughs> direction. That's not a bad move. Yeah, yeah. We, we gotta keep <laughs> we gotta keep brainstorming here. But uh, till next time. Uh, till next time. Later, Jen. Bye.